What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It's me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Adam and Matt. Gentlemen, how we doing? Matt, I know you're a little bit under the weather. Well, I've been fighting it. I've been fighting it. Bad. I took a day off, but then other than that, I've been at it. So um, Let's go. Yeah. But I wanted to say, boys, uh, the last time I saw you, I went up to Penn State, and I saw – um. Penn State, Notre Dame in their whiteout. And they set the record for attendance at at their stadium. I think I'll get the actual number because I took a picture of it. Yeah, um, I heard that's one hell of a facility. Was it nice? Dude, it's so great there. I put the Pagulas, you know, because yeah. the, the owner yeah. of the Sabres and Bills mm-hmm. are big Penn State guys. Well, they had 6,566 people at this barn. And Damn. It was packed That's a lot of people. Rim, all white, yeah, and it was fun, dude. They it had a all comeback white. win. Yeah, someone yeah, wasn't yeah, an asshole yeah. who showed up in red. No, well, that's I mean, what I do. Um, oh, I think they you, give out white t-shirts at the at the get, door. No, they gave out rally towels, but everyone oh, okay. wore white. Yeah, everyone wore white, and um, I showed up wearing like they had a comeback blue. win. Uh, they took the lead with like four minutes left. It was cool, you know. It was real. It was really fun. I mean, I had standing room tickets, so I was standing in a corner, and it made me really grateful that I have you know sitting seats at every hockey game I go to because standing at a hockey game stinks. Standing oh, yeah. the whole time, not the best. Um, it's it's different. Like I feel like it's different uh, for like baseball or football because there's more room mm. to walk um, while viewing the game. I would say. Um, whereas hockey, if you want to get up and stretch your legs, you kind of have to go out into the concourse, not watching the game, which is kind of the whole reason why you're there. So yeah, standing room for hockey, not fantastic, but yeah, I've heard that facility is incredible there. And you know, big, big 10 hockey is nothing to scoff at people The the East coast, as far as college hockey is concerned, other than obviously like your Midwest in the top 10. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. I mean like the hockey East conference alone uh just runs college hockey but obviously you have like your minnesota minnesota duluth north dakota like all those teams out there but Dude, uh quinnipiac quinnipiac man that's quinnipiac. that's one hell of a school that's one so hell of a big... small it's a high school basically yeah they have as a small as a high school tiny tiny little school but one hell of a program they're out in boston right new york in new york i thought that was more no new it's i area. think quinnipiac is in new york yeah, one of those schools. upstate New Yorks. No, nah, Ham- um, Hamden, Connecticut. Oh, really? It's in yeah. the it's in the New England area. Okay, I was wrong. Average cost after aid forty one thousand dollars. Absolutely not. Holy Talk about private. Yeah, but they got an acceptance rate of eighty eight percent. I don't know. I don't know about private too much. Uh, I didn't even know that Google could give you these stats. That's new. Oh yeah. How about oh, yeah. that? Do I even want to know what East Strasburg's was? Do we want to know what the accept- yeah, well, accepted? We're here is now. Like we have ninety-eight. To... It's like ninety-eight. It's ninety-three percent with a fifty percent graduation rate. <laughs> that you know. That's oh tracks. my god. <laughs> as as someone that's lived in the area for going on twenty-seven years, no, going on twenty-eight years, that tracks. How about that East Stroudsburg University, huh? How about that shit? One of a kind. One of, One kind. of a kind. One of a kind. Um, all right. Don't well, I know it. As much as we could sit here and talk about college 
all day long. Uh, we it's all, awesome after having all, a, it's awesome that? having a band at, at a hockey game, like an actual yes. band. It's so cool. It's that like, shit's cool. That like the way that Vegas does it with the drum line. I think mm-hmm. they should incorporate the drum line more throughout the games instead of just between periods. Get them involved during play. Why not? What's yeah. the worst that could happen? It's great having a college type marching college band just mm-hmm. playing everyone dancing to it it's unique Dude, college college marching bands and like the snare drums playing and the horns in the student section uh, i think it is the one of the more underrated uh things about sports is having a marching yeah. band active and participating in the game because they can kind of sway crowd emotion in a way they have that kind of control with what they end up doing, especially in the student section. So I think it's one of the more underrated things in sports. And I think it should be, I think it be, it should be explored more at the professional level. I think maybe we should have some official uh, team marching bands in, in many sports. Ooh. I think the only one that probably wouldn't really work for is baseball. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. not basketball either. Like not hockey golf. football. Not, not golf. Yeah, not it, golf. Not golf. <laughs> no, I think tennis, it could. Not, not golf or tennis. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could work in baseball, though, because then you just have the guy doing the uh, the drum roll after every hit just so you because you don't know what's going to happen. So if it's a it's a catch, you, you hit the symbols. If it's a home run, the band flares up. Well, actually, my my favorite is when the it's a clear pop up and me from the 400 level at Citizens Bank Park goes, I got it. Ah, there you go. Ah, or as he, as he's about to catch you, go. Ah. I'll tell you what. Most of the time they catch it, and and good on them because boy, did I not have it. I lied, lied, hundred percent. Oh yeah, did not have that one. You didn't and even I go for my it. My baseball it career was over was when I did when I dropped an easy pop up that was like like eighty feet, like like high, like one of those like. So no, it was up there for a while. I like, oh man, that's up there. Yeah. Did that's I ever I tell you? Like, I need to stop playing baseball. And there goes boys, that career. I I used to be a catcher, or I loved playing catcher uh, when I played. Uh, did I ever tell you the story of how I lost the ball? You lost the ball. So play? yeah, what did yeah, you throw well, it? I wasn't good. I wasn't good. But here's what happened. So I'm playing catcher, right? And we're at a field. Uh, it was like some school field. And during the game, I guess they just decided they weren't going to clean up any of the balls that were behind home plate. So there's just a thousand baseballs just sitting there, chilling. Oh my behind. God. Pitcher throws the ball. I miss the catch. It goes behind me. I turn around and there's just a sea of baseballs and I don't know which one's the live ball. So I'm like, huh, huh, huh. I just grab a ball and throw it. <laughs> well, like, that's what I would have done in that situation. I grabbed the closest one to me. For the competitive advantage. At least I got a, a nice little chuckle from the crowd, so I accepted that fate. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, once that I goes do? back there, all balls are live as far as I'm concerned. Every single one of those has a possibility to be the one yeah, that, that was, I need. So all That wasn't something that I came need. up in practice. Believe it or not, doesn't come up in practice. You would what, think they'd practice that. They don't. They don't. What do you do when there's 20 balls behind you? You run. <laughs> go, just go home. Just put the equipment down, get in the car, go home. I'll take um, my trophy later. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so to get into the episode, we are going to start off with some um, some sad news in the hot community as Bobby Hull, a uh, 
full-blown legend in the hockey community has passed away at the age of what was it, 85 84, age, 84 84 age 84 uh he played 15 seasons in chicago and is the franchise's career leader in goals scoring 604 uh for eight of those seasons he played alongside his brother dennis who scored 298 goals with the blackhawks bobby hole won back-to-back heart memorial trophies as the league's most valuable player in 1964-65 and 1965-66 when he won the NHL scoring title for the third time in his career. Um, He was the first ever player to sign a $1 million contract in the history of hockey. It was a 10-year, $1.75 million deal, leaving the Blackhawks and the NHL to join the Winnipeg Jets of the WHA as a player coach. Remember, this is back in the days when player coaches were relatively famous. He played seven seasons in the WHA and helped the Jets win Avco Cups in 76 and 78. He won two Gordie Howe trophies as the league's most valuable player. And in 72, 73 and 74, 75, a season in which he scored a career best 77 goals. So not just a NHL legend, but also a WHA legend. Uh, He did decide to return once those leagues merged. Uh, and he played 18 games with the Jets in 79-80 before he was traded to the Hartford Whalers, played nine games, and then retired a second time. Bobby Hole, complete hockey legend, played 19 seasons of professional hockey, scoring a grand total of 741 goals in the time of doing so. Obviously, everybody also knows his son, Brett Hull, uh, also in the Hall of Fame, inducted in 2009 after 19 uh, seasons uh, where he played for was was that all St. Louis? No, that was all St. Louis. No, no. I feel like there's another team in there. I didn't. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. He's he's still alive. Um, but our thoughts and uh, and prayers go out to the whole family. Um, Bobby Hole uh, dying at the age of 84. All righty, let's get into the episode. So plenty of stuff going on here. Uh, from Trevor Zegers almost getting at stabbed, I guess, because that was whatever happened. We'll talk about that. Uh, Jordan Bennington trying to do Jordan Bennington things again. Are we tired of it? Are we not? Who knows? Uh, e-bugs. E-bugs galore. So uh, another one in uh, Edmonton. And uh, cap off the episode with some Bruins talk here. But first, we got to start with the obvious, the big, Bo Horvat, formerly of the Vancouver Canucks, who we'll talk about yet again, former (laughs) captain of the Vancouver Canucks, getting traded to the New York Islanders uh, in exchange for Anthony Beauvillier, uh, Atu Ratti, and a a protected first-round pick. Um, Bing, if I may correct you, it's not Ratti like you would think it would be. It's Ratu. Okay, sure. Uh, Whatever. Ratu, because, because names make sense. Well, the homies Atu Ratu and Anthony Beauvillier <laughs> are going to Vancouver. Um, so this obviously sparks a couple of questions. Obviously, um, where we thought that maybe there could be some sort of catharsis between the Vancouver Canucks and Bo Horvat was not to to be so, as uh, even before the All-Star break, Bo Horvat finds himself on the island. My question to you two uh, first is, do you think Bo Horvat is going to help this Islanders team who so far this season has been underperforming uh, to say the least. They, uh, they kind of went into the season thinking maybe if they ran it back again, some, 
some better circumstances would happen. Last year was weird with the whole home ice thing. Uh, but right now sitting at 25, 22 and five and uh, kind of on the outskirts of the wild card conversation, but, but not having a great year, specifically not one they thought that they would be having. Um, and uh, acquiring Bo Horvat, do you think that that helps this team exponentially enough to make a wild card push in the second half? Well, on paper, I, I was watching NHL Network and they were going in deep. On paper, it should because Bo Horvat is, I think, in top 10 in power play goals for this year. I think he's got like nine. And um, if you look at the standings of the power play, the I think the Islanders are in the bottom two, like bottom two power plays. Yeah. And um, yeah, so on paper, that in itself would improve. And like, just like looking at their lineup, I mean, they added a, a true number one center. Like you're going to put, you're going to put Horvat number one and probably move Barzell down number two. So you kind of, you added depth up, up the middle from there. It's just like, I, I've, I'm starting, to, the more I think about this, because when I originally have him, I'm like, dude, I was like, dude, I think the Islanders might, might you know, might have given up too much. They gave out a golden ticket, a first-round pick, and Anthony Beauvillier. And don't get me wrong, Anthony Beauvillier has dropped off from when you and I saw him big when they played the playoff series against Flyers in the bubble. Right. Yeah. He was arguably their best player. I would say he just was. I wouldn't even say that. Oh, was yeah, he arguably. was their he, best player. Yeah, he looked that good, and that was the right. 2020 season. Yeah, yeah, and you know things have changed in that situation, and uh, maybe I mean maybe you could get that must that luster back in Vancouver. Um, and it's also like I know we don't watch the Islanders on the constant base. I know they're in our division, but we don't watch. I mean, from what we've known from playing them, it's like they're a relative tight locker room like they've they've had a core that's played with each other for you know quite a few seasons now they haven't really tampered into it um so that's where i was like thinking man it could really backfire it's like you bring in a guy who's been kind of in a cancerous situation like yeah he might be happy to get out of it but like what if it's the other way and he, he brings that shit attitude to an already tight locker room right and um <clears throat> But like the more it's like you really think about it, it's like it probably does help them. I don't know if it's a huge explosion, like boom, like they're gonna they're gonna find the offense that they've been lacking all year. Um, so that's where I'm like, time will tell. But like on paper, it, it they that they should have improved. Like, yeah, and especially in a category where they've been struggling, which is the power play, you know having a guy like that who can be that electric on uh, in in the offensive zone alone whether 5 on 5 or an advantage should help the team. I mean, they're currently sitting at a pace of being um what plus 4 in the goal differential department. Let me look here. Yeah, they're plus 4 in goal differential, so they're like kind of like 50-50 a little bit. Um and they're currently 3 points removed from the last wild card spot. So they're right there. They're in the thick of it. Maybe Bo Horvat having him out there specifically on the power play and on five on five and getting quality minutes on the ice for that team gives them the spark they need to kind of make a run at those wild card spots. Adam, what about you? Do you think that the uh, Bo Horvat acquisition for the Islanders really gives them that extra nudge 
to really make a push at uh, catching up to Washington and Pittsburgh at the, the bottom of the playoff picture? I think it can. I mean, I feel like it's kind of almost understated how much depth up the middle helps um, and has almost been a key factor in a lot of teams' playoff runs. Um, Pittsburgh was one outlier that comes to mind. Uh, Tampa, I feel like, had some pretty crazy depth. Actually, yeah, they do. Don't they have, like, three basic number one centers in there? Yeah, Tampa. Tampa's but, always got good centers. Let's take a look. Because um, Sam Coast and Braden Point are the first two that come to mind, and those would be number one centers on any team in the NHL. Um, but I like I said, I feel like it's almost kind of understated how much a uh, a solid depth uh, center core can make or break a playoff run in uh, in the NHL nowadays. Looking at the the lineups though on daily faceoff, I'm a little perplexed. Because they currently have Will Horvat as the number one center, like Fish said. But instead of Barzell being the number two center, they moved Barzell to the wing, and they have Nelson in at the two. Which is interesting. That's the lineup they're going with. I would have gone with what Fish said, or even flip it and keep Barzell as number one and put Horvat at two, and then link them up in the, in the power play unit. But right. I think I think this is a pretty solid trade on both fronts because Vancouver gets the replacement player for Horvat in uh, Bovillier. Not so much in terms of production, but there's you, you have another body that can fill that gap that Horvat's leaving. You have a player in Ratu that in Vancouver's eyes is going to be a player that they can use in the future. Almost like I, I compared him a little bit to uh, Kuzmenko. I don't know if he's going to have that kind of production, but there's that ability. And then you get a first round pick, which could, you know, go either way. It's magic beans. Right. So, yeah. At worst, they got to wait a year to use it, but then it could be anything if the Islanders are trash or they get a top 20 pick in a ridiculously deep draft this coming uh this coming draft so it's kind of a win-win in my opinion on all fronts i think what's going to really swing who quote-unquote wins and loses this trade is if horvat resigns on the island or not which for all again seems like they're open to doing both sides are open to keeping the keeping that door open yeah i think that is one of the the biggest uh kind of not really a question mark but biggest um ideas of this trade being relatively even is if he does resign in new york which you said and i and i do i see it a lot here that uh, they both sides are willing to have that happen given uh good things going on down the stretch here but i would really say this trade's pretty even to be honest um anthony bovillier that that is the only question mark for me is can he get back yeah. to form into the player that he was because right now he is not playing like he has in the past, um, let's take a look at the uh, the old stats this year, shall we? Uh, Anthony, it's a good thing that there's uh, there's um, autocorrect on searching up these names because I oh, that's great that at all. Um, so far this year, he's got 49 games played, nine goals, 11 assists for 20 points, Ooh. and a minus four. Yeah, he's not playing at the uh, the ability and the pace that you know we all know that he can. I mean, 
obviously he he hasn't had like any sort of uh breakout season other than uh 2017 when he scored 21 goals but like he's one of those guys that can be an impact player on offense he just hasn't been playing like it so i i'm interested to see if this uh, change of scenery a little bit helps him out going to vancouver but obviously not a place right now anybody really wants to go for a uh good you know refreshing change of scenery yeah. given what's going on in yeah. that locker room right now he's kind of stepping into a shit show for for lack of a better term there um well, but bad they, got a, they got they got a new like a they got a coach that's looking to get a fresh a fresh breath of air right like they got but, a new coach that it hasn't been a part of that you know badness which Kinda does like which does help is. for a transition you know right um, but you know, you really got to look at what's going on in Vancouver and you're looking about going there and you're like, eh, I don't know how I feel, uh, feel about this, but man, for Bo Horvat, able to get out of that situation that he didn't want to be in in the first place, able to do it while going to an organization that, you know, all things considered not playing their best hockey, but like that you have good players there and a good system, a solid owner that knows what he's doing so on and so forth. Um, he's walking himself into a pretty damn good situation to be as good of a player as he can be without having the captain moniker on him, you know, not having to be the locker room leader. He can just be the good player that he has been in the past. And I think that's going to do nothing but good things for Bo Horvat. Um, Whether he's really the guy that changes the trajectory for the Islanders, I don't really know. A lot of what I think is going on with the Islanders is some pretty shaky defense and uh, some, some bad goaltending, but We'll have to see. Um, but obviously, scoring more goals does help you win hockey games. That is that is a confirmed fact. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, it's true. I've heard, I've heard scoring more goals than the other team wins you games. Uh, what does kind of suck for Anthony Beauvillier, though, is, you know, he spent his entire career with the Islanders, and he was kind of um, put on this pedestal that he was going to be one of the figureheads of the organization for a long time, almost next to um his his counterpart in uh oh my god yes thank you matt barzell and that just never shaked out that way and he pretty much uh i would say about when you know 2018 2019 right before 2020 um is when he had that breakout and then 2020 he looked incredible in the playoffs and since has not been that guy where Matthew Barzal has been taking these leaps and bounds forward and becoming an incredible NHLer, which he is. This kind of sucks for for his career at this point. What do you what do you guys think would? Um, I don't know what his contract looks like right now or how many years he has on it. Uh, um, friendly up. Yeah, go ahead and look that up. But I don't know if I'm Anthony Beauvillier that I'm super excited to try and refresh my career in Vancouver. <laughs> Uh, what do you think? He Adam? has he has one year left at four point one, um. So all right, so he, he only has a year on it. You, you could say yeah. to go up with your point, Brian. It's like you can look at it's like, man, I'm going into a shitty situation. Like it's gonna be tough. Or he's just like, fuck it, I'll, I'll take this head on, and be like, I'm gonna turn it around because I know what I'm capable of. Because right. I've shown it at the biggest stage of the, I mean, I get bubbles. Bubbles are tough. Be like biggest stage, playing in front of nobody. Um, but um, 
like I just think like there's still that he's still very young. Like he, all you need is some good chemistry with somebody, and then bang, he's right back at it. True, true, and you know that that could be the case. You could just find some chemistry with one of the guys on on the Vancouver roster, and it changes his entire career around. Um, Adam, what about you? Do you think that Vancouver is uh? Not that obviously Vancouver is excited to get him, but do you think that Anthony Bovillier is excited to go to Vancouver? It's hard to say. I mean, I hear every um, hockey, I guess, uh, journalist, for lack of a better word, talk about how much people or players don't like going to Canada markets. Like whenever you hear there's a team that has uh, a multi-team no-trade list, everyone assumes all of Canada is involved in that trade list. So I don't know what his actual stance on it is, but just in terms of like a, uh, a new, ch- uh, like a change of scenery, I think he'll enjoy it. And like, I think fish was kind of alluding to is you're coming in. Yes. You're a young player, but you're coming into the squad uh, with the playoff experience that you have that the squad itself doesn't really have. Um, thinking that you could help, you know, kind of change, not so much the culture, but change the mindset and teach some guys, especially these young, inexperienced guys coming in um, a thing or two and building this team into something that you know that they want to be, which is champions at the end of the day. So I think uh, to answer the question, I feel like his thoughts on it are going to be based purely on how the team performs a for the rest of the season and what next season turns out to be because for all intents and purposes this season's kind of a an outlier i don't think anyone expected them to be this bad right they they were looking at being contenders this season not basically contending for bedard at the rate they're going mm-hmm. yeah so I mean, it's gonna be interesting yeah definitely for sure it's just where to go from here as an organization is definitely in a weird spot and, because, you know, you're acquiring a guy like Anthony Bavillier. Do you attempt to build around him now? You know, but well, that's going to be the thing too. It was like, is this the last move Vancouver does? Are right. they going to move Besser? Like how, how willing are they to shake the core up? Cause I mean, Bo Horvat was the, the inevitable trade, especially once Kuzmenko saw like it was all targets were on him. He's the one that's moving. But now do they pull the trigger on the rest of them? Brock Besser is a guy that has been on the market for ages now. Thatcher Demko apparently wants out of Vancouver and has been on the market, which that's a big move, trading your goaltender of the future away. Yeah, that would be a big blow to the team there. Um, It seems like um, when we talked about Quinn Hughes possibly being uh, not necessarily on the block, but they were fielding calls, that seems to not be the case anymore. They've shifted him to the uh, part of the core of the Untouchables, so that's that. That ship is unfortunately sailed for I think a lot of teams. Right. Uh, and there's JT Miller, eight million dollar man, not playing to the eight million dollar contract. What do you do there? So I feel like there's more to come from Vancouver, and it's going to be a really interesting and headache of a trade deadline if you're me. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, but they're obviously interesting to see, and we'll we'll keep tabs on. Uh, obviously, we're going to keep tabs on the Canucks because it just seems like it's the only thing we talk about anymore. But 
we'll see. Vancouver podcast. The Vancouver Canucks podcast on the power play. But moving forward, sticking on that side of the country, uh, I feel like we have to talk about the Trevor Zegers, Troy Stetcher situation. So in a game, yeah. I believe, on uh, so the 29th, so a game on Sunday. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it was relatively- Trevor Zegers and uh, Troy Stetcher kind of were in, in the middle of a scrum. Along the boards there, in between plays, it is what it is. Hockey play. Troy, uh, uh, Trevor Zegers says something to Troy Stetcher that absolutely makes him blow up. Um, and all all points uh, around the matter say that Troy Stetcher is a pretty even keel kind of guy. So that's fairly interesting. Now, a lot of your uh, lip reading warriors out there on Twitter decide to have a crack at it and. A lot of them thought that Trevor Zegers had said something about Troy Stetcher's late father who recently passed away. Obviously would make sense as to why Troy Stetcher blew up like the way he did. But both have said that that is not the case. Uh, Troy Stetcher said that's not what he said at all. Um, He did say something that was quite personal, but he doesn't want to talk about it any further. So no news from Troy Stetcher there. And as far as Trevor Zegers is concerned, when he was asked about it, uh, he said, I'm not sure it was pretty standard trash talk. If he wants to act like that, it's totally fine. Um, he did. Uh, Trevor Zegers did receive a 10 minute misconduct for it. Um, and here's my thing. I don't think whatever Trevor Zegers said was that incredibly terrible, because if it was. the And he came back out in the third after his 10 minute misconduct. Do you really think the Arizona Coyotes wouldn't have made it a point to start going after him, maybe somebody try to fight him or any of that. Like, do you really think that they would have let that slide? Because I don't think so. Like, look, I know the Arizona Coyotes are not a good team, but they are a team nonetheless, and the guys do play for each other. And they wouldn't let that shit slide if, if Trevor Zegers said something about his father. So what what is your guys' reaction to the whole thing? Do you think Troy Stetcher just kind of overreacted to some standard trash talk? Or do you think that Trevor Zegers attacked him personally? I don't know. Well, we go first. I'll go first. Sure, I actually want to light off some, uh, some, uh, some dust off, dust off my shoulders. Oh, smoke! I don't have much energy, boys. I've been under the weather, but I've got to let something off my chest, he's, boys. He's coming. He's coming in hot, guys. He's going for it, guys, guys, guys. Trevor Zegers has been pissing me the fuck off for the past month, dude. I can't stand this fucking guy. I think he's a little bitch, dude. I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. I'm like, I don't understand why this 170-pound little weakling talks all this shit and then just kind of, like, acts surprised when someone tries and, like, gets in his fucking face about something. I don't like how this fucking dude's singing Taylor Swift songs while his team's getting blown out. Like, how can you look at yourself as a professional and be like, yeah, like, yeah. I'm fucking doing the right. I'm a proper fucking hockey player when you're just acting like a little bitch, dude. It blows me away. It's like, it's like, and what really started is was um when the when the Ducks played the Flyers and Rasmus Ristolainen and scored a shorthanded goal that he just basically outbeat Trevor Zegers in a foot race. Which, by the way, Rasmus Ristolainen should not be beating any NHL player in a foot race, let alone Trevor Zegers. This is a very good point. It's it's just blowing saying. me away that this guy acts like such a bitch, and he's just like, 
oh, why, well, why is, you know, why is people going after me now? It's because you're a fucking bitch, dude. It's like, <laughs> I don't get, what does he not understand about it? <laughs> like, dude, there's multiple instances. There's a video when they're playing the Bruins, okay. and it's like, he's just, I think he scored a goal, and he's just talking the shit to, like, David Krejci or someone for so long, and he's just too long. And then fucking Brad Marchand's like, what's up, motherfucker? What's up, motherfucker? Gets right in his face and he's like, what's up? He's like, you want to play that game? Like, I love playing that game, bro. What's up? And he's just like, what are you coming at me for? Like, dude, like, I can't stand the bullshit that Trevor Zegers has been pulling. He's fucking shown he's just a whack professional. I get it. They're fucking... Ducks are tanking. I get it. I I get it. But at oh, the no, end not of if you're Gary Batman. No team tanks in the NHL. Right. Yeah, according yeah. to, to Gary. <laughs> right. So here's here's and the thing, right? I'm just, just I'm blown away by the fact that and the lead and they're just pushing this guy like he's the cover of the NHL the video game. Like they're pushing him like oh man, he's just such a great star and he's just a 170 pound little weak bitch, dude. So here, here is a situation, right? And this is a perfect microcosm of this situation here, where we are beginning to become the unold, not not the, but unolder generation of hockey fans. So uh, our generation of hockey fans, if you've been watching hockey for for most of your life, has seen two completely different types of hockey. Do you remember the highlights yes. that played before NHL hits when the loading screen was mm-hmm. going back in the nineties? Back yeah. in the 90s when, like, it was that a big man's league. Where Scott Stevens was committing war crimes. Yes, correct. Right. Um, <laughs> but you also had other big guys in, the, you know, Lindros and, you sure, know. Sure, yes, yeah, really of course, of course. Yeah. Um, but then you now have this new era of hockey, which is all about skill, the fanciest goals that you can think of, much like the Trevor Zegers, Sonny Milano goal and the Michigan and things of that nature. The stuff that this guy tries out on a regular basis uh, on NHL ice. Now, if you're doing everything you can to grow the game as far as making kids love hockey, who are you going to promote more? People beating the shit out of each other or Trevor Zegers doing fancy stuff and scoring goals or almost scoring goals either way. It, this is kind of a microcosm of how the NHL is trying to market themselves. This is more of an answer of your why he's on the cover of NHL. This is more of the NHL trying to market themselves. I know why he's on the, the cover. I, I'm just right. been pissed off by the way he acts. Yeah, to answer that question about the way he's he's pretty much, uh, as as you've coined the term already, acting like a little bitch. Well, that's because that's kind of, that's kind of what he is. He's not tough. Um, I've, I've heard him referred to as a TikTok player where he's only good for about <laughs> six or seven seconds, but for the rest of the time, he's not, which I gotta say, he's, na- he's nailed that to be honest. Uh, he really isn't very good unless for six or seven seconds spurts where he has the puck in a specific situation on the ice. Um, and that should, and that stuff flies nowadays. You have to remember that that kind of stuff can happen nowadays because, the policing in hockey isn't quite what it was. I'm going to reference a, a game between the Minnesota Wild and the Philadelphia Flyers recently where there were four fights in under 20 minutes. They just kept first happening. First 10 minutes. The first under 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Sorry. They just kept happening. Guys just kept dropping gloves. That's the kind of hockey I remember, right? And it was all because 
the I'm going to call him Rat Junior because Rat Senior is Brad Marchand, but Rat Junior, Travis Connecting, who I'll always hold in my heart, um, shoved a Minnesota defenseman into Mark Andre Fleury. Full well, well was, knew exactly third, what he was, was doing. That was third period, though. That was third period. We're talking about like that. All the fights sure, happened right, in the yeah. first ten minutes of the first period. To be honest, I'm not quite sure why all the fights were happening in the first place. Um, well, Minnesota is a really big, tough team. Like, well, yeah, but like, so are the Flyers. But either way, um, it, it, that's the kind of hockey I remember watching. And could you imagine that Anaheim roster trying to answer the bell like those two teams did? I don't think so. Well, I mean, I they did have Delorier on their team. Blessing they could have had Delorier. They don't anymore. They did. They did. The, they did. The Philadelphia Flyers made sure to uh, handsomely pay the man for all of his services. Um, don't get me started on the Nick Delorier contract again. I can't handle that. My emotional state. Uh, Adam, <laughs> what, what, are, what are your opinions of the Trevor Zegers situation, uh, i.e. what happened with Troy Stetcher, or just your opinion of him in general? Because, I mean, Matt kind of nailed it. He's been – a little bit of an irritant recently for a lot of teams that have played the Ducks and hasn't really been performing on top of it, you know? I had to look and see what the stats are to comment on that. But, I mean, everything Matt said, and I'm not talking in terms of skill when I say this, but in terms of, like, I guess the on-ice character, I just sounded like you were describing a young Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Except way less talented. That's what I mean. I'm not talking skill. I'm just talking on ice character. But Uh, I I feel like, go ahead. To answer your stats question, 50 games played, 18 goals, 24 assists for 42 points, minus 22, 56 penalty minutes. I feel like that minus, as much as I look at that, I feel like that's more of a team problem than a Zegers problem. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. What's his career plus minus out of curiosity? His career plus minus is minus 37. So most of his minuses have come in this year. This season. But he has, prior to the season, he was a career minus. Yes. So there there is defensive problems there, but I still think the offense is there. I feel like like the the skill-wise, the problem is a byproduct of how bad the Ducks are playing this season. Um, I could be wrong. And again, I'm not comparing him in terms of skill to Sidney Crosby by any stretch of the imagination because Crosby's on a whole other level. But Zegras is the atypical star player. That's the guy that any league is going to build around, regardless of what the sport is. Um, so I'm not surprised that that's what he is because he's there to score goals, put up points, and that's it. If he digs under people's skins, that's an added bonus, which is, I think, kind of what he's trying to do. Um, but he's not there to fight. Maybe lay the body occasionally, but, I mean, just based but on if what... if you're not there to fight, don't stir the pot. But that's well, yeah, see, that's guys not, that's like that how do. it works anymore, though. That is no. not how it works anymore. Well, you can one even, plus one does equal two. It's like, if you're going to stir you. the pot, expect someone to get in your face about it. I hear you, That's... but in, in, in lieu of what Adam said, Sidney Crosby started it, to be honest. He was the atypical, I'm going to talk my shit, I don't and, have to fight you. And here's, I mean, if you want to take one step back, guys like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, up until recently, they didn't talk shit, but they weren't anything but a guy that was put on the ice to score goals and put up points. They didn't lay the body, they really weren't defensive-minded, 
up until the last couple seasons where they worked on that. Trevor Zegers is still working on that aspect of the game, just adding in now that little extra nudge in the side of players to be to get them out of their game, which for some players is what, or for some teams rather, is what you need. I mean, look at Marchand. <laughs> Marchand's made a career out of it, and he's got the skill to back it up. So, I mean, situation yeah. aside, because I'm not going to pretend I'm a a lip reader extraordinaire that knows exactly what was said. I don't know what was said. If what he said is true, or what is alleged he said is true, um, no excuse. That doesn't belong anywhere near the game. 100%. If, if it's someone that decided they wanted to tweet out a lip reading that they thought they read, and it just blew up, but that's not even remotely close to what he said, move on. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Adam there. Uh, it, uh, Troy Stetcher and Trevor Zegers have both come out and said that that was not what was said. Which, not for nothing, to play devil's advocate, they're going – Stretcher, not so much. Zegers is going to say that any day of the week. He's not going to argue yeah, yeah. he said that. It, I've seen people argue that Stretcher is covering for Zegers because he doesn't want to ruin the new NHL star any – I don't buy that. I don't think he gives a fuck, to be honest. I, if someone said that to me, I wouldn't give a fuck either. I would right. bury you, not literally. And for whatever the- reason, Anaheim and Arizona have been having this pseudo rivalry for for uh, yeah for a year now. So if I'm so, Troy Stetcher, I say it if it was said. So I I don't know. I I think. I think someone tweeted something thinking it was going to be like, oh, this is what I think, Uh, and it just blew up. Um, But time will tell. I don't think – last I saw, there was no further punishment being dealt out to Zegris or Stretcher in the situation. Not that Stretcher needed any punishment to begin with. Um, But it sounds like the league has kind of like wiped their hands clean of the situation and said, we're done with it. And I think that's – it's a good discussion to have, and it, I think it kind of opens the door a little bit more to, you know, kind of like the unwritten, I guess, chirping rules. Like, it's always going to be in the game, but where do you start drawing the line at what's acceptable and what's not acceptable? Um, but as things stand now, if all parties, regardless of affiliation, are saying it's not what was said on the ice, we're going to have to take it at that because we're not going to know what was said on the ice. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of always been the case when it comes to hockey players. Um, if they're not gonna talk about it in the media, they just will not talk about it in the media, which I have always respected about uh hockey players. But yeah, I mean the th- the thing here, right, is man, the more the more I watch the video, the more I'm like, Yeah, why why does Trevor Zegers always act like he's surprised when somebody tries to come at him after he talks shit? He's always got this surprise look on his face. Like he's I like why are you mad at me, dude? It's like, well, I feel like everyone does that, though. Not like, everyone. A lot. No. I mean, tra- I know I like to I talk about Travis connecting a lot, but he's a perfect example of someone who talks. To oh, shit. he is a, per- he is a perfect up. example. He talks the shit and he waits. He's like, all right, come on. Yeah, he knew that guy. He's like, I, he knew two guys were coming right after him. Like, oh, yeah. He he pushes the defenseman into Mark Andre Fleury and immediately turns around and goes, okay, I'm going to at least face the people. That will yeah. be coming at me real quick here. I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's an age thing. 
just so, doesn't get it. I, who it's knows? a bitch thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I like I look at this crew that came from the the 2020 2020 U.S. Junior team that won gold. You know your your Cole Caulfield. Yeah, you love them, dude. That was like your oh, squad. Yeah. That they was iconic squad. Oh, they'll live in infamy is probably the greatest USA Junior team to ever play. Especially probably, if yeah. they continue to progress in the NHL. But you look, especially look at those like tight squads, like the Caulfields, York, Zegris. Like they seem to be like just boys, just straight up boys. Like Caulfield doesn't really get into the mix well, now he's of hurt, it, unfortunately. But well, now yeah. he's hurt. He, yeah. he can't actually. But he, even York, it's like, yeah, York plays for a team that like isn't afraid, but he's not going out stirring the pot. Not even close. Not every player, not every player is going to do that. It's true. That's true. Right. And maybe he tries well, to, it's if a you're going to do it, answer the fucking bell. Especially when you don't have a true enforcer on your team. Yeah, like, you that's don't have what I'm saying. Yeah. No, you don't have anybody to protect you. So expect to protect yourself. Yeah, see, the only unfortunate bit is that's just not how the league is run anymore. No, that makes, but don't be surprised when someone's going to punch you in the mouth, dude. Uh, to me, that just seems like a reaction I see way too often. It's like, oh, why? What do you mean? What, Maybe it's what, the did, re- I, what that was, did I do? That was Dad? why I po- posted the uh, the video on the Instagram story uh, from Nasty. It was uh, Nasty Knuckles. It was with uh, Dave Poolin. Who and also Nasty Knuckles is yeah, Derek Satermeyer and Ryan Cote's podcast. Dude, we need one of Shout those out. guys on this pod. Like we need, oh, we yeah. need one of those guys to come on here. I think they would too. But um they they asked him, he's go, what do you what do you think about the new age of hockey? He goes, One complaint I have about it, he goes, No one's expecting to get hit anymore. Yeah. Like nobody. He's like, Oh, you got all these skilled players and shit, and nobody expects to get hit. And he used the uh, Jacob Truber hit on Anthony Siu. And he goes, Anthony Siu was just pissed off at that hit, so he went after him. But at the end of the day, if you look at the replay, it's a clean hit. His head was down. What are you looking like, yeah, You, you weren't looking. Down. Yeah, exactly. It's like. And Truba's not afraid play- to lay the wood, so. And I remember, I think Tom Wilson went on missing curfew. You know, uh, Scotty Upshaw and Jay O'Brien's and. Late, um, late, um, what's Kevin, Kevin Hayes' brother's name? Jimmy Hayes. Jimmy Hayes Hayes was on the pod, but now he he passed. But, um, he was saying it was done during all star break. He goes, dude, none of these players get expect, expect to get hit anymore. And he goes, I've, Tom Wilson was saying, he's like, I've literally had to warn people, I'm like, bro, I'm gonna lay you the F out if you keep playing like that. And they think I'm talking. Shit on him. I'm like, I'm not talking shit. I'm literally warning you. I'm like, if you continue to do that, I'm going to lay you the fuck out. And it's like, people don't, these kids don't expect to get hit anymore. Like, what is this sport becoming? To, like, like I've never really complained about, but what is this sport becoming? Are we, is this soccer? No, this is hockey. This is a violent sport. It will always be a violent sport. Let's not fucking overlook that. Like, I think what I think what's become the quintessential issue in this matter, right, is yeah, hockey's always going to be a, a sport where you know violence is to be expected because it's part of the game. It's in some aspects, it's how you gain an advantage. Um, but right now, with the way the sport is working right now, the clear advantage is speed and skill, 
right? You're slower, heavier, um, or not heavier. Your your slower, more aggressive teams are not winning right now. So teams are going to lean towards what's winning games, and that's just kind of the way that it's working right now. It, however, you know there was that small that small window there where the Islanders were playing very aggressive hard-hitting hockey and winning games. And that was in that 2020 season. And that has <laughs> since gone by the wayside. And so teams are going to continue to go back to what's been working, and that's speed and skill. And that's just kind of the way that it is right now. And I don't really I don't really see a way that that could go and change and go back to what hockey uh, was until there's a team that does it and does it with success, Right. But the team that does it with success is going to have to be one of the best defensive NHL teams of all time in order for it yeah. to be in order for it to work. So it could work. It's just there is it's a very specific type of player is going to have to fit into that kind of team build. And I don't know if that specific type of player exists anymore. So I'm not sure, but I, I, I hear, I hear the complaints. I hear you, but Continuing to move forward into somebody else that Matt truly hates, which is really helping with the theme of this pod, I might add. Oh, no. Um, Jordan Bennington is doing it again. Uh, His antics just continue. Uh, In their 4 0, or not 4-2 defeat to the um, uh, Colorado Avalanche, I believe it was in the second period. Um, The Avs were up three goals at the time. And Bennington started skating towards Logan O'Connor after Colorado forward tried to tap home a rebound in the crease. The ensuing scrum behind the net, which Bennington joined, led Avalanche goalie Alexander Georgiev to skate to center ice to enter the fray. Uh, He was uh, stopped and directed back to his net by a referee. But here we go, folks. We now have goaltenders not afraid to step up to Jordan Bennington. So here's my question. Here's the reason I'm bringing it up because I feel like we've talked about this enough times where it's becoming a theme. Are we tired of the Jordan Biddington thing or do we think that that's just part of who he is and why he's in the NHL? Well, he's the reason he's in the NHL is because he's able to make stop. Like, let's be real here. Right. Like, he is a goalie. Want to yeah. stay on top. Want to stay on the cop. Well, now it's debatable because he hasn't been as good as he once was. But he, he did was a, probably the number one reason the Blues made their run to win the Stanley Cup. Hundred percent, like, yeah. It was uh, so um, and uh, to me, I just think it's just who he like who he is. Like he just wants to be like doesn't mind ruffling feathers and just knows he's kind of protected to this to a sense. And um, I always just would love to see this guy play against a guy like like. Ron Hextall or just like you know a goalie that's just a real psychopath right right like a real psycho a person who he thinks he is but then you see like the real version of what he wants to be and it's he's just like whoa I am not that yeah I mean he's uh, Ron Hextall is truly crazy um yeah I don't I don't know if I'm tired of it or if that's just who now I'm gonna be honest, I'm getting pretty tired of it. At this point, it's his coach especially is with how he's playing with how he's playing right now, which isn't very good. You can't continue to kind of be this cocky prick of a goalie who always tries to make fights happen. Like obviously he did he did have a fight in the AHL. He fought Phoenix Copley, uh, who's now one of the goaltenders with the Kings organization. 
But yeah, like look how that's going. Yeah, clearly. Um, <laughs> My how the tables have turned. And like obviously, like he's had success at the NHL level, winning a Stanley Cup. Yes. But with how he's been playing recently, you can't keep doing these antics and expecting people to be like, oh, that's just Jordan. Um, Adam, what do you think? You know? I'm tired of it. I think I was right. tired of it when he swung the stick at insert team here because I feel like he's always up to something with every team in the league. And I'm getting tired of it. And I think the problem was, and it didn't really dawn on me until you were talking about his play. His antics, I feel like, are directly tied to his play. Because he's playing so bad, he's getting frustrated and acting out. Whereas if he was playing up to Jordan Binnington standards, I feel like we don't see that as much. Right. Um, but it, it, I'm getting tired of it. How he hasn't gotten any form of discipline is beyond me. I mean, obviously, players aren't going to take a run at him because that's going to get shot down immediately. Right. Um, I'm not at all surprised that the referees backed Gorgiev up, though. That just seems kind of like par for the course. It wasn't something that was needed. Um, as cool as it would have been, because I, I can't even remember the last goalie fight we've seen in the NHL. I feel like it's, what was it, Mike it, Smith and... Uh, yeah, I believe it was it Mike... Was Smith. Alberta. It was the Battle of Alberta yeah. last year, Yeah, right? I believe it was Mike Smith and... Um, Oh God, Markstrom? Was it Markstrom? Yeah, it might have been Markstrom. No, I don't think it was. I don't no. think it was Talbot. Was it? it was, uh, no, last year Cam Talbot was. On yeah, it might have been Markstrom. Yeah, because I'm forgetting. Uh, Mike Smith played for Edmonton. I for whatever reason between yeah. him and Calgary Garb. But like, yeah, it's like how much? How many? How many times are we going to do this and the outcome be the same that you're playing mediocre goaltending right now? Right. Is like, is there a precedent for goaltender suspensions? Is that a uh, thing? Not not really. Like even Ray Emery when he full blown skated the entire ice to just beat the brakes off Braden Holpe didn't get suspended for that. So like maybe another we... guy another guy I wish Jordan Bennington got to see. Rest in peace, Ray Emery. Rest, Rest in peace, Razor. Razor. What a beauty. Maybe we should create the president. Like I, the, here's the thing is he's got to do because for this in this situation right i mean mark andre no. Fleury has done it a handful of times in his career too like pushed a guy got in a guy's face scrum and suit it happens that right? stuff is fun but, but like the swinging the stick swinging, thing we, yeah. we call that that was told that was suspension worthy for sure i feel like there's something else he did oh he does oh, it all the time i'm a six swing um so it's like no, the the fake the fake punch the 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 fake out whatever it was, I believe. Yeah, it was that was there was that. Game, but... Fake punch! How can you fake punch somebody on an NHL hockey rink? Well, like, like he did, like on. the ooh, you know, like, the, like he was going to, and yeah. then like yeah. bruh, bruh, make it uh, made you flinch. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's I'm good. I'm over it. I'm over it. Protect the goal. Stop trying to be tough. You clearly aren't. Um, another example of a kid who weighs all about 160 pounds soaking wet, who is not going to be able to fight, but talks a whole lot of shit. Um, how, how sad are we going to be, though, when the time eventually does come that he has to fight and he just lays his opponent out? It would be incredible. And then I'd be like, well, he can, he can back shit wrong. up. So right on. Here we are. All uh, right. But until, but until that point, he's just a baby crying, you know, and I'm, I'm getting pretty tired of it. But uh, 
to continue talking about goaltenders here and in a positive tone, I guess kind of we'll get into this conversation. Uh-oh. Emergency backup goalie situation. Edmonton, baby. Uh, again on Sunday. Sunday was quite a night, huh? Um, Matt was. Berlin, the emergency backup goalie for the Edmonton Oilers against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, he uh, he actually got to see some ice time in the third period as the Oilers were winning 7-3 against the Blackhawks. Uh, their original starter did not get injured. Uh, however, they just pulled him uh, for Matt Berlin uh, with, I believe, two minutes yeah two and a half minutes remaining um they put in the backup who currently plays net for the university of alberta and has played in major juniors i believe in the past uh so the 25 year old was able to see some ice time how do you guys feel about a situation where the e-bug came in and it wasn't because he was the only option i'm a little torn about it it's it, it takes the purpose of the emergency e-bug he's just a backup goaltender then well He's like, oh, you're getting put in because they they want you to be in because they're up seven sixty two or seventy two or whatever. Well, did you hear seven three at the time? Did you hear yeah. who wanted him in? Was no. it McDavid? McDavid asked to put the e bug in. Oh, there it is. Are you going to tell Which... Tom McDavid no? No, no, you're not. Well, Someone should. not even that. Someone should. Not he even that though. Like LeBron James. I I think it's kind mm-hmm. of cool because I mean. Let, let's be real. There's 32 teams in the league. Roughly, what is it, like 21 roster spots? 22? How how many of these guys like the E-Bug? What was his name? Mullen? Uh, Matt Berlin. Berlin, excuse me. Sorry. Um, how, many, how many guys like Berlin are ever going to get a chance to sniff the NHL? I feel like we talked about this, but I I think Bing had the answer. What do these goaltenders get? Don't they get like a sum a sum of, of equity, or did they just? I, think it's, um, they they. I do, feel like I looked into it. Yeah, they do. Uh, have uh, they do get some form of game check. I'm not sure where it comes from. Uh, whether it's pulled together by the players or something like that, but they they do get some form of game check if they go in the game. Um, uh, but, but to read off some of the Imagine stats, getting a National Hockey League check, dude. Like, that'd be that like if they got NHL. a full National Hockey League check, that'd be that'd be sick. Um, well, obviously, prior to him reaching the ice there for Edmonton, he did play four game, uh, five games so far this season with Alberta with a four zero and one record, two fifty seven goals against, an eight ninety two save percentage. Not too shabby. Uh, he has played uh, for Spokane, Seattle, and Kootenai in the WHL and has uh, played for the uh, Drayton Valley and Sherwood Park in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, the AJHL. Um, now, it was uh, said by the uh, ye old bench boss, uh, uh, Woodcroft, there that it came right from the players. Uh, we wanted to make sure we did it in a respectful way because we have nothing but respect for Chicago Blackhawks, their players, and their coaching staff. But we just wanted to give someone an opportunity to remember for the rest of their life. Now, Man. here's the situation, right? If I'm the Blackhawks, I'm taking this as the biggest fuck you of all time. That's that's def- mean, that's 100 of the way I'm I'm perceiving it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about all time, but it's pretty it's pretty embarrassing when it's like you're getting blown out. They just want to put the emergency backup goaltender in. 
Who's just, just some five year old kid who's barely played junior hockey? Like against Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Right? There's no Jack Stomy, Andres Anthony CU, and Seth me, Jones. Like I have some professional hockey players. It's no different than a football team blowing out their opponent and playing the third string quarterback. But yeah, they don't but... play in the third string quarterback, they put in the backup. Yeah, usually, usually a third string's not dressed. Yeah. Well, the only situation you know what I mean though. Stringer was freaking Brock. But that's that's a Brock bit, Purdy. That's a bit different in the case of in that case, usually it's to avoid injury if the team is like, you know, yeah, like, but you're still like, for example, there were times where Jalen Hurts got benched this year for Gardner Minshew late in the game because they didn't want him to get hurt. Because quarterbacks are more likely to get throttled by somebody at any given moment than a goaltender. You know, I don't think they were doing that for Jack Campbell's health and safety. No way. You know? uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal in my opinion. Yes, it's a definite slap in the face, face if you're the Blackhawks. But to me, I think it's a classy move on McDavid's part to let this kid that never was going to have a chance at the NHL play two minutes of NHL hockey. I think that's a, a pretty pretty sick move. Now, if it bit them in the ass, this conversation will be completely different. Oh, yeah. If, if Chicago lit him up, then you got a problem. But for what it was, I think it was a pretty cool moment. And to circle back real quick onto what the e-bugs make, I did find it on bkpittsburghsports.com an article that was written back in 2020. Um, it sounds like the e-bugs can sign one of two types of contracts. There's either the um, the PTO contract, the player's tryout contract, which could net them 500 bucks per the, uh, the CBA. Or if you're a guy like um, David Ayers, you can sign an amateur contract, which basically nets you nothing. Um, the players could probably for lack of a better way of putting it, like crowdfund something to pay the guy for, for doing that, especially in David Ayer's case. But I think in most typical situations, you're making anywhere between zero to 500 bucks. And you get a, a jersey out of it. I'd imagine. Not too shabby. Well, especially for a kid in college. Not too oh, bad yeah. at night. Apparently he was... Made 500 bucks. He was doing... Was it physics homework when he got the call? Yeah, so here's the story as it reads. Um, yeah, he said, um, I did the e-bug last year, and then Sean May of the Oilers uh, texted me, and I thought I was going to be sitting in the stands like last year during the playoffs, and he texted me at about 4.30 p.m. saying there was a change of plans, and I was the backup tonight. I was sitting there doing homework, and my heart rate spiked, and it was kind of a whirlwind of a day getting ready to get down there. It was unbelievable. Everybody was so welcoming down here, the players, staff, everybody. It was unbelievable. I was studying for a psychology midterm on Monday. There Hope he is. passes it. Hope he passes yeah, it. Yeah, really. Um, and even you know, not, I feel like the professor will understand a little bit. It's like, hey, we're, to- we're, we're pulling for you, Matt Berlin. We hope you pass your uh, psychology um, exam there because I know that psych sucked. So hopefully it was a pretty easy chapter for you there. Um, something I feel like is kind of, at least something I noticed, is I feel like McDavid's very goaltender focused. Does that make sense? Here's the thing, right? Is I think that's a gentleman that understands how important a good goaltender is to winning a championship. That's what I think. That might be it because I heard he was, when I heard that he was the one that wanted to put 
um, Berlin in. Um, I, it flashed me back to the All-Star game a few years back when Mike Smith and him were playing on the same team. And he was actively calling for the team to give the puck to Mike Smith so he could shoot it down the ice for a goalie goal during the All-Star game. Like, I don't think any other player in a game situation, you might not do it. But just to think like, hey, give the puck to the goalie so he can get a goal in the All-Star game. I think it's a pretty uh, interesting and different mindset that maybe some more players should adopt because I need me some more goalie stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we are we are always uh, a very feel good story as always when an e-bug gets in there. Um, So we're going to wrap up the episode, actually, with. Some of our favorite e-bug stories. And now, I guess I did have to do some Googling. I don't just have emergency backup goalie knowledge packed up. No, in. You're, you're the e-bug expert, Mr. Brian Bingaman. Right, yeah. Um, you couldn't but, make it to the show, so you wanted to be an e-bug, and now you have all the knowledge. I've just done all this research about e-bugs now. Uh, but there was <laughs> one that I found incredibly interesting, and this is a story that I want to bring up here. Um, so I'll start this one very fascinating and fascinating in 2014. Um, there was a goalie situation in Buffalo where Michael Norworth was injured in the first period and backup Jonas and Roth entered the game and, uh, the goalie coach padded up as a contingency. I remember this, not any goalie coach, mind you, Harters Urbe, the 47 year old goaltending coach who hadn't played NHL hockey in 10 years after playing in the NHL for 13 years, uh, playing 568 games, recording 218 wins, 236 losses, and 79 overtime losses, uh, having multiple All-Star appearances, a uh, a Hart finalist, a Vesna, um, and I, I believe he's on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. I just don't think he's been voted in yet. Maybe. Who knows? Um Longtime Carolina player, longtime San Jose player. Uh, unfortunately, never won a cup, but is definitely a very famous goalie for the way that he he goaltended. He was like kind of one of those I call them Roly Polioli goaltenders. Very uh, <laughs> famous for just kind of rolling around the crease and doing a bunch of crazy shit. Um, he suits up in this game uh, because Michael Neuvert got hurt. Um, the Sabres coincidentally were playing the San Jose Sharks, who everybody represented the 1994 NHL All-Star Games. Um, in perhaps one amazing coincidence, the goalie who replaced uh, Deutsch in Minnesota in 2011 was on hand for the game and tweeted a picture of Urbe heading to the bench. Hackett was this uh, with the Sabres at the time, uh, but was injured. Very cool story there. He never actually wound up in the game, but he did have to suit up and sit there. Uh, would have been super cool to have uh, this 47-year-old who hasn't played uh, professional hockey for 10 years get in the game. Alas, it didn't happen, but that's a, that's a cool situation, I got to say. Um, do you guys have any that kind of kind of tickled your funny box? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to throw it to one that uh, happened in 2018, Mr. Scott Foster, the Chicago hey. Blackhawks. Be Probably the most impressive one. Because he came in 14 minutes left in the game and uh, I think faced 11 shots and stopped them all. Uh, I was literally just like, come on now. Like, imagine going in there absolutely facing rubber, just seeing rubber and being like, I'm ready. I'm I'm effing ready, boys. (laughs) 
Did the Blackhawks end up winning that game? Um, uh, they were up, I think, like six something, weren't they? Hell yeah. Apparently, he was also the first emergency backup goaltender to actually record a save. Yes. And he made, I think it's 11 of them. I can't find the stat on his Wikipedia. Which is just embarrassing by a defense that had Duncan Keith and, you know, Brent Seabrook. Let up. So it was it was it was seven shots against. Okay. Um made all saves. So seven for seven on saves. Um my favorite bit is when you Google Scott Foster comes up as Canadian accountant. That's that's he was a a full-time accountant (laughs) at the time. I think it says Scott Foster, Canadian accountant, and all the pictures are of him in a Blackhawks jersey. Nothing about his which is very very funny. Um I wonder yeah. what's the difference between a Canadian account and a, a and an American account, account right? <laughs> yeah, uh, like, one you have to specify that his country is he's a country. Well, they use account. a different currency, don't they? They do, they do. I know they have toonies. For they that. To- loonies and toonies, man. Loonies, and loonies. loonies. I forgot the loonies. Yeah, the loonie and the toonie. What about um, Bugs Bunny currency up in here? That was a that's a good one, Matt. That's a good one, Adam. Do you have an e-bug story you'd like to highlight from hockey history? Well, I was trying to avoid the obvious one, but Matt beat me to the one I was going to use, so I've got to go with the obvious. David Ayers, the forty-two-year-old Zamboni driver who works for worked and I think still does work for the Toronto Maple Leafs, beating them out as a Carolina Hurricane e-bug, and uh. A day that'll live in infamy, I think, for most Toronto fans. Um, yes. That whole thing was crazy. Um, especially finding out his like life story after that, how he was battling was it was it cancer? Yeah, he had battled cancer, yeah. Uh, so he was a cancer survivor coming in as uh, a Toronto Zamboni driver for the Hurricanes as the e-bug. Um I think he became, if I remember correctly, he's the first e-bug to ever record a win, which pissed a lot of people off because they thought that went to Scott Foster, but it was just the uh, the saves that he that he got. Uh, David Ayer is getting the first ever e-bug win. Um, apparently, Disney is making a movie based on him now. Oh, after that's that. so good. So um, good. So, yeah, it's just David Ayers, man. It's... He is the, I think, at this point, the quintessential e-bug. <laughs> like, yes, absolutely. Like, usually when e-bugs are talked about, David Ayers is probably going to be your first guy talked about. For the re- uh, Also, he holds the record for most minutes logged as an e-bug, uh, 20 I believe that. Minutes. Um, yeah, maybe... because I think he came in and played the entire third. He played he? the whole third after playing eight minutes of the second. Yeah. Oh Which my is crazy. God. Uh, imagine, going into, 10... imagine going into that locker room in between his second and third. Yeah, you, not Prince only did you just you down. just got out there like living your childhood dream playing eight minutes on NHL ice, but now you're sitting in the locker room in between the second and the third. No, you gotta go out there and play a whole other 20 minutes. After giving up two goals. I'm After giving sure. up two goals, two goals in the second. And he up. I think Talking about it, I remember remembering the story more. I'm pretty sure he turned to the locker room and said, like, don't worry, guys. I'm I'm in I'm getting into this now. Like, don't worry about me, I'm fine. And he went out and basically shut the period out. 
Yeah, gave up both goals in the second period, uh, if I'm looking at the game log here correctly. Gave up both goals in the second period and shut him out completely in the third. Uh, very funny stuff there. Um, and also, yes, just probably the most incredible e-bug story there is. But obviously, the story of the e-bug is always going to be cool. Um, nice little nod from the Oilers there uh, to have uh, Matt Berlin come into the game. Matt, hope you pass that exam on Monday. We're pulling for you here on On the Power Play. Uh, but other than that, unless you guys have any other pressing NHL news, that's going to do it. Um, There was Ooh. something I thought about, and I forgot it. All-Star game coming up. Yeah. It's All-Star crazy. That, that, it's oh, crazy okay. to think that, like, the how the schedule goes into the All-Star game. It's like some teams have, like, a good break into the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Because I like to fly. Because every team gets a bye week. Like I think people like um, for a lot a good amount of teams. Like uh, one for you know you and I being the Flyers, have or their bye week is going into the All Star break. Right. So it's like you get an even longer extension. So it's like now like you get to see who's going to be playing like like right before the All Star break, and then who's playing right after the All Star break. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting idea how that how that's working, especially considering Bo Horvat got traded. (laughs) Who will represent? Who will represent the Vancouver Canucks at the All Star game? Because that makes sense, like everything else the NHL does. Right. Yes. Absolutely. God. Um. But as always, folks, thank you so much for listening to On the Power Play. Uh, Absolutely incredible that you guys listen to what we do. Week in and week out. We very much appreciate it. I uh, hope everybody's geared up for the All-Star game that's going to be coming this weekend. Should be a fun one. We uh, A couple episodes ago, I believe we talked about the events that were going to be uh, going on. I think that was so last episode, are, yeah. Yeah, last episode we talked about it. So those events are going to be super cool. I'm excited to watch it. Hopefully you guys are too. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OTPPpod on both after you hit the follow buttons on both of those, you can go ahead and click the link in the bio to head to our merch store. We got all the stuff you're going to need for the cold winter months that are right now and some of the warm weather months ahead. We're looking at the spring pretty close here, so that's super exciting. But go ahead and head to the merch store, buy some of the stuff there. And as always, thank you so much for your support, and we out! Woo!